0: Watching that Mandalorian.
1: I am watching the uh, <laughs> the Mandalorians. Well, as a little aside, before I even start the show, I subscribe to Disney Plus. It's Did probably going to be my quickest unsubscription to uh, anything I've subscribed to in my life because it's a total waste of money. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I saw the Baby Yoda memes on uh on you know on the <laughs> Twitter on the social media, and I was automatically going into the Mandal- Mandalorian wanting to hate it because. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously you've seen the Baby Yoda meme, so it's just like, oh my God, this is going to fucking suck. Yep. And uh, it turns out, yeah, I started watching it when they already had three or four episodes in the can, and uh, it's a really good show. I think there was an episode of Kissing Contest way back in the day when, when Disney first bought the uh, Star Wars license, and we I think we kind of t- said this is this is what we want from Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, having this Star Wars license is making these kind of uh procedural type of monster of the week type shows with star wars characters and uh that's exactly what they're doing it's kind of weird though because there's you can tell there's like younger people on the internet that don't even understand non-prestige television because (laughs) like everybody there's people like i think there's only one or two episodes left and people are like what are they gonna do like is, is baby yoda gonna like go back to his home planet and it's like no, man, they're going to ride this out for nine seasons. Like, <laughs> Baby Yoda is never going back to his home planet. He's never going to shows-
0: age. He's never. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think anybody has seen, like, their people on the internet have not, re- they don't remember our television shows before, like, 2010. So they don't know this is how it's going to go. And I'm fucking pumped for it. A lot of other people uh, felt like they were know it alls to point out that they're uh, just, like, glomming off of westerns and samurai films like yeah no shit everybody's seen movies besides you it's not like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> way, way to crack the case sherlock that's crazy yeah. Yeah. that they're borrowing from these age-old uh, things that everybody loves and uh yeah i think it's great um i i loved it so much that the baby yoda thing didn't even bother me and uh i even i found it cute i was like the baby yoda is cute yeah and uh so I was expecting there to be just like a wealth of merchandise already, and then it, it wasn't like that. They so Mattel or whoever Hasbro whoever owns the uh, the license, Disney I guess, uh, but it's with a toy company. They released uh, a Baby Yoda plush, sort of plush, half plush, half plastic doll, and I was like, you know, I love this show so much, I'm gonna buy that fucking thing. Whoa! And I <laughs> and I go to the I go to the, the website, and it's uh it's like a pre order. You don't get it till May, and. Uh, Nintendo pulls this shit a lot. Nintendo's another cute company that, that specializes in cute things that uh, is always like, oh, we didn't make enough Nintendos. And it's like, you didn't? You have all this market research for the last 40 years, and mm-hmm. uh, you didn't expect <laughs> this this overwhelming? Come on. Uh, and Star Wars is obviously the uh, the inventors of disgusting, um, way too much merch type of stuff. <laughs> and yeah. so for them to be like, oh, yeah, we didn't know. I, the excuse they are using is they didn't want to spoil it. So supposedly they didn't want to spoil it to the point where they didn't even anticipate that anybody would care about the baby Yoda. So they didn't even like have any prototypes laying around or anything. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't buy this. I don't have a really good conspiracy theory as to why they would do this. Except maybe the season 2 or maybe another Star Wars show starts in May. But it just seems like there has to be some ulterior motive behind this. But anyways... That that was my piece about Baby Yoda. Is that I, I don't believe this shit. That they didn't have anything ready, and uh, the show is actually
0: good. I uh, so you you said that you you I talked to you about this before, and you foresaw that this was going to be like an A Team MacGyver. Yes. Like yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised mostly because I didn't think they led you to that. Like the first two episodes felt like they were doing prestige shit. Yeah. First two episodes were like we're going to build a big story. This is going to be epic. Like, we're gonna take you someplace insane. And then immediately they literally did like Seven Samurai Three Amigos as yeah. like a bottle episode, and I was like, Oh, okay, well that's cool. And then the next episode is like a, a caper, a heist or something. Yeah. And I figured
1: then, it out, yeah, the minute they were the minute the third episode starts and they're in the uh the spaceship and he's like Oh, uh, what planet should we go to next? I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those <laughs> shows. Like, this is going to be the whole show for ten years. Uh, yeah. Also, before I forget, because I don't, I don't want to forget, and we, we go off and do another subject. But I also want to thank uh, listener Bert out there. Speaking of Star Wars, yeah. Uh, f- several episodes ago, we we pleaded for somebody to go to the Star Wars Galaxy Edge and get us these Coca Colas that are special to the, the Star Wars Galaxy Edge theme park. That are shaped like thermal detonators, and Bert came through and sent me one, so it's now my uh, mm-hmm. most prized possession. So I just <laughs> want to thank him.
0: I really think I th- I think Baby Yoda represents to me the end of enjoying things. <laughs> uh, you know, like I I love him. I love him. <laughs> uh, the you know, as a father of a young child, I'm susceptible to cute more than I should be. <laughs> and you know, the scene when he's trying to like heal Boba Fett. Uh, you know, soup, uh, boba, whatever. Yeah. When he's like reaching up and trying to heal him and he keeps putting him back in the crib, that brought a little tear to my eye. I was like, that's a, that's a baby right there. That's a little baby. I got a little baby too. <laughs> and uh, I love Yoda, but immediately, you know, baby Yoda became a meme and that's fine. He he, he needed to be a meme. Uh, he became a shirt. He became, you know, surprisingly, he didn't become a toy right away. That's fine. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was looking at this great shirt. Someone made like a very touching shirt of baby Yoda. I was like, uh, well, uh, everybody w- wears that though. Everyone's going to wear that. Everybody likes Baby Yoda. Huh. Everyone in the world right now, every living, breathing person likes Baby Yoda. <laughs> so what are you showing anybody by wearing? Yeah, I'm also human. I also like Baby Yoda. Me and six, <laughs> seven billion other people like this right now. It's like wearing a Coca-Cola shirt or something like that. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like... You just can't. I don't know if there's a way to express yourself anymore.
1: I uh, I dipped into um, I never do this for shit like this because it's always a toilet. But I dipped into like the Facebook comments on like mm-hmm. a Baby Yoda uh, posting on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it's uh, a lot of it's not named the child. His name is Baby Yoda, and it's just like okay, <laughs> and a lot of uh, a lot of people who have never watched Star Wars saying that the show should be more about Baby Yoda and not the <laughs> other guy, which is. It's it's amazing how dumb people are. It's it's really incredible. If you ever think yeah. uh people are smart, just go to Facebook and click on any kind of mainstream pop culture thing and just read the comments because it's always amazing.
0: Oh, I got I got sunk this week. I was just like, I don't even know what what I was thinking, but I was reading some like Greta Thunberg thread, <laughs> and I was like, why did I open this? Why did I open this link? This makes this makes me feel so bad right now. I can't take I can't take the world. Uh, so, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be that way. I'm fine with it. Like I, after it settled, after I sort of like got my head straight, I was like, yeah, well, this is good. I love MacGyver. I love Magnum PI. I want Boba Fett to be MacGyver, Magnum PI and the 18 that's, <laughs> that works. It didn't work for me at first. Cause I thought they were doing something else and I thought they were doing a good job. You know, like the fact that it was so cool and like instantly the music was great. The, yeah. the visuals are great. It was back in a dirty planet, just doing dirty things. Like I want star Wars to do uh and then you know it went a different direction i was like oh because i i don't pay attention i didn't even know this i didn't know there was a tv show coming out (laughs) i i don't pay attention to things anymore i knew there
1: was but i didn't know it was like like disney plus mandalorian it's right there i thought it was like you know down the road i didn't know it was coming out so quick
0: i almost signed up for disney plus for it but then a a friend of ours a good friend of ours started putting it on his server and i didn't need to (laughs) but you know if they put, if, I don't know. Disney Plus seems to be pick, picking and choosing what they put up there. But if they put up all those like 60s and 70s live action movies, yeah. I would almost pay a monthly fee just to, to <laughs> just to have those in my house, even though I'm not going to get to watch them all. And I don't, they don't do them all, right? It's just kind of like a random assortment. And then, like, uh,
1: yeah, it's a little. When it comes to shit like that, it's a little pick and choosy. But I imagine it's because, um, you know, they do want to eventually add stuff like six months down the road and. It's nice to pad things out and say, oh, yeah, we added uh, Midnight Madness. or uh, the Bo- Yeah, I don't think Mr. Boogity's there. Uh, Return to Oz is there, though, which is a strange ch- choice when you're holding stuff back.
0: But To me, Mandalorian is like the one end of the spectrum is like the comfort food. That's like someone said, why don't you have some Star Wars macaroni and cheese? And then the other end was the Watchmen show, which is yes. like I was really expecting to take a huge shit. Like I mm-hmm. saw the previews was like this is going to be. An embarrassment. I'm gonna be upset to be alive while this thing comes out, <laughs> uh, and it's not. Instead, it is uh, like <laughs> one of the most magnificent things anyone's ever done with a comic book idea. I think, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I did not expect them to take the, the the root property and then just say, "Hey, we're gonna actually build like a whole universe."
1: Yeah, man. It, I am. I am the same way. It's it's so crazy because it's like it's not an egghead show, but it's also not stupid. It's kind of like right on the level where you don't have to be an egghead to watch it. Like it's not hard sci-fi or anything. Yeah. But it's like it just owns up to everything that's going on, where a lot of it should be ridiculous, but they just they just own up to it so hard and mm-hmm. they don't they don't fucking hold your hand or anything like that. And even one of the worst parts of HBO shows is they all have flashbacks for some reason. That's just yeah. like a huge trope of HBO television where they need several episodes to go into flashback. So I was like, <laughs> first few episodes of Watchmen, and I was like, they're gonna hit the flashback arc, and I'm gonna hate it. And even they they even did the flashback arc of the HBO yeah. shows really good. Um, I was telling Scott off here; he hasn't watched the, the the final episode yet, but I will go as far as saying I think it's the the best uh, the best season ender in the history of HBO television because that is <laughs> always the part HBO fucks up on is either leaving people hanging or just. Uh, Kind of a limp dick ending, but it was it just like it was so satisfying. I think season two is still up in the air, so I would be completely satisfied if they never made another one. But I would you know it would it would be kind of bittersweet because this this show was so perfect. I think they Mm -hmm. did an amazing job so much that I immediately went and tried to watch the uh, the 2009 Watchmen right after and I like that when it first came out and boy oh boy it doesn't age well it's uh, <laughs> compared to this man it is light years behind it looks like a fucking it looks like one of those goofy uh 60s marvel spider-man tv shows compared <laughs> to the Watchmen television show of 2019 so yeah I am five stars all the way if you guys haven't watched that show even if you've never gone into the watchman comic book or the, the last movie it's still an amazing show if you want kind of like I don't it's, it's so it's so surreal. Like it's I don't think anybody's pulled something off like this on an episodic basis before. So it's just yeah. it's it's really amazing. I hope it wins a bunch of awards. Uh it's great. They don't
0: try and retread other stuff from the story. They just start telling yeah. you a new story and it's great. It's like nobody does that. Nobody does that. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But you did spoil something else for me, is that I thought I thought the this the last episode that I saw of Mandalorian was the last one. And uh it's got a pretty grim ending like yeah. a, 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 it's sudden and i thought that was the end of the series season i was like oh man that's sick <laughs> That's like a nice uh <laughs> i mean selfish. it
1: might be it might be i i thought they had like one or two more episodes i could be completely wrong but i don't know
0: that's fine but i thought it was some nuts yeah. that they had something like <laughs> we're just gonna end it here man this, so some crossover news I, I don't know if there's a lot to chat about with this but uh, uh dwayne the rock johnson everybody is do uh do wrestling fans still like dwayne the rock johnson Or has he just become America's Dwayne The Rock Johnson?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, America loves him too, but he's like the one guy they always try and bring back for the cheap ratings bump because uh, obviously America loves him, so they're going to tune in. So, yeah, everybody loves The Rock.
0: Well, he bought into a company called Salt and Straw. And, you know, Salt and Straw, to me, I would think that that's going to be one of those low lit restaurants with rough hewn wood where they serve you uh, like unexpected pieces of the pig. (laughs) <laughs> you know, on a weird plate, but it's not, it's an ice cream place. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, but I uh, think
1: it's the ice cream place version of that. It, store, it definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: like the kind of, what well, the, the flavors they serve are like pear and blue cheese and olive yeah. oil, like olive oil, ice cream. And, uh, you know, I think that that's cool, <laughs> but, uh, like, I don't know what to do when I walk into a place like that. Cause if you have 700 coffee and bourbon and, you know, I don't know, THC, CBD, CBD CBD ice cream. And like, uh, you know, three of your flavors feature goat cheese. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to eat eight bowls of ice cream. (laughs) I'm not going to come back every day of that week, but I like it's, it's such option paralysis. I don't really,
1: I'm like a recent convert. Um, New York is full of fancy ice cream, but Mm -hmm. it's to the point where you can just go to like the corner store and buy a pint of fancy, fancy ice cream. So I hardly, went out but here there's a chain there's a chain here it's a chain all over the place you might even have one in Saratoga cuz it seems like the type of Saratoga type place but mm-hmm. uh, it's called Jenny's Ice Cream no and um it is that type of place and it's very expensive if you buy it at a store it's 12 to 15 dollars a pint so oh. it's not it's not cheap ice cream uh but they have this thing that no one takes advantage of except for me and my girlfriend it seems it's like a sampler platter basically where you get 3 half scoops of ice cream and like a piece of a cone for six bucks and the three half scoops are basically normal human-sized scoops so you get to try like th- these three wacky flavors and it's amazing you feel completely satisfied you don't need any more and mm-hmm. no one takes advantage of that but um <laughs> so yeah in that that capacity i'm very excited to go to jenny's because i know i'll get to try three ice creams uh right off the bat a lot of people do the sample thing and i find it annoying i think you should just nut up or shut up when you're about to buy something and <laughs> Uh, you, you should look at it. You should look at the description, and if it if it speaks to you, you shouldn't second guess it. You should order it, and uh, that's what I do. But um, but yeah, so it's cool in that that respect. But yeah, I can understand if you go to a place and they don't have this option, it would be a drag because you're like, I can miss out on this, uh, you know, whatever this ice cream. Mm. Um, like they have uh, my favorite one. They have there is called Bangkok Peanut. Mm-hmm. And uh, they discontinued it, but it's like peanuts and coconut and like Chinese five spice. It's just like all this crazy shit <laughs> and it's fucking amazing. It's like the best ice cream flavor I've ever had. So, uh, but sometimes they are bullshit. And I think that's another thing where if you're kind of a second rate place, it kind of sucks too. But Jenny's is super good.
0: Salt and Straw. I mean, I'd really need to see what the exterior of that place looks like to, to use that <laughs> name. Uh, like, it sounds
1: it... so familiar, but yeah, I don't think I've ever been to one, but I guess there's millions of places with that
0: name. It, well, there's, like, salt and char or something like that, I think. But yeah. I, I would expect, when I walked into this place, I'd expect it to look like Frodo Baggins' house or something like that. <laughs> and hand problems news. Um, Taco Bell is putting out a uh, a burrito where the whole burrito is coated in cheese. The outside of the burrito is coated in cheese. Uh, rate your frustration, Mike. How how high is this? Uh, uh,
1: so this was what I thought that toasted chalupa was going to be because... Mm. Even the article you sent said the same thing. This is like an LA trend now. Mm-hmm. It has been for a couple of years, where they're baking like they're coated they're blanketing a breakfast burrito basically in fried cheese. Mm-hmm. Um I would have to see this in real life to to really rate it. It's um the picture does not make me feel comfortable of it. And then <laughs> is, you know, that's the, the the vision they want to put out for this. Mm-hmm. Uh I I would honestly You know, when I go to a place, I kind of want people to actually make food in front of me, but I would honestly settle for this being something frozen that they just throw in the microwave because I don't think I trust the Taco Bell employees doing this themselves. (laughs) I think this, this, if they have to do this themselves, it's going to lead to, uh, I don't know. I think you're going to get a a lot of different results from (laughs) different Taco Bells and, uh. They have to drape
0: don't... drape a lacy angel wing of cheese <laughs> over your burrito, <laughs> I'm not screwed up. Man.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm obviously going to get it because I'm on a Taco Bell podcast, but mm-hmm. I am not looking forward to it.
0: I like to me this. Like, I think the the flavor. Like, when I bite into this, I expect it's going to be good because mm-hmm. it's you know whatever. It's all, there's nothing odd. There's it's not like they put crickets on the outside of this thing. It's <laughs> just cheese. It's food. But I don't. I don't like you know. I don't like to hold a burrito in the wrapper. I don't like to hold any, yeah. I don't like, to, I, I take a whole candy bar out of the wrapper. I don't care what happens to my hand, <laughs> you know, I, I, sh- I share the hand, pr- I share the hand problem. I don't want to have a dirty hand, but I also don't want to eat and bite into a wrapper by accident. Yeah. I don't, I don't like eat.
1: the burrito wrapper thing. I don't know how people do that.
0: Yeah. And you're going to have to with this. There's no, there's no <laughs> option. You're going to have to hold this thing. Uh, in Uh in so in veg friendly news, I think this is pretty, pretty, pretty wild. I think is that, you know, everyone else is jumping on the impossible or whatever bandwagon and Taco Bell said, fuck that. We're making our own vegetarian meat. They're just making their own. It's called outrageous. Uh, I guess it exists already in the world. It's like quietly out there, uh, but you have to yeah. live, uh, I guess, Finland, Finland and Spain. If you live in Finland and Spain, you can eat this right now. If we have any, I don't know if we have any, any listeners in those <laughs> places. Uh, let me know. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's made of oats. So that's cool. I like oats.
1: I just want to say a couple episodes ago, I predicted that Taco Bell would be implementing tofu, mm-hmm. and they've really showed me. They're really going out there with oat-based meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not high hopes for this. I'll try it, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, I don't know. I've, it's so tough because is the meat, is the the fake meat, the outrageous meat, mm-hmm. it's either three options. It's either going to taste like its own thing, like to- tofu, mm-hmm. it's either going to taste like real meat, or it's, it's either going to taste like Taco Bell meat. So, yep. it's it's like a crapshoot.
0: What would be nice is if it's a little sweet, and then probably nobody else would share that. But, like, I'm looking <laughs> at the picture, and I'm thinking almost like pulled pork. Yeah. And so, when I would eat it, I'd eat it. that's actually what makes the sofritos kind of work, I think, at Chipotle, is that they're a little bit sweeter than almost everything else they offer. So, if they put out a meat that had a little sweetness to it, like a little bit kind of barbecuey y uh, to it, it's all I would eat. I would, I would be vegetarian at ta- within Taco Bell within the realm of Taco Bell. I would be an ethical, ethical <laughs> vegan, and I would only eat this. I think it looks pretty good to me, but it could also be a total mash. This could be repulsive. This could be uh, like they screw up steak, and steak is yeah. one of the food groups. Like steak is a very easy. Like I can make a steak, and they fuck up steak. Yeah. So something you sent me, I I, I haven't done any further research. Uh, I I want to know more, but I haven't looked at this. But you know, every, the world the world's back on Garfield, right? You know the the memes are back on Garfield a little bit, and we we were on the, we were of course on the razor's edge of that, and made money off of it. The only thing I made money off of in the last fifteen <laughs> years, but someone had just I, I don't I don't know if it's licensed or what, but someone just started a restaurant somewhere in Canada called Garfield Eats, <laughs> and it's a they sell Garfield shaped pizzas, and they look like a novelty item you get in the freezer section. It's pretty pretty Garfield shaped. Uh, how did you find this, Mike?
1: I saw. I don't know if somebody retweeted it or it was a promoted tweet on Twitter, but I saw the Twitter account Garfield eats and it looked, you know, you see it and you're like, that's fake. And I saw a check mark and I was like, I'm pretty sure there's laws against <laughs> giving troll accounts check marks. Cause that would fucking ruin our, our world. Honestly, given like how like parody news has like ruined our country. It, like <laughs> you can't just give troll accounts things. So I like, I clicked on the the, the Twitter and I was like, this is definitely not real. This is crazy. I can't believe, like, we're our country is over. Our world is over. <laughs> They're giving me troll accounts check marks. Yeah. Um. So I. It was the
0: only bulwark we had against yeah. the. Uh,
1: <laughs> and they have like, I they go to the website. They have the website on Twitter. I go to that and I was like, this is fake. Nothing works. Uh, it says if you want to order, you have to go to an app, and I'm just like, that is that is obviously fake. You're going to go to the app, and it's going to be some fucking marketing for a Garfield movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, let me just Google Garfield eats and see what the origin of this is. And you know, when you use Google, if you search a restaurant, the first thing that pops up is his address and location, and that's what happened. And I was mm. just like, holy shit! And I, you know, you search through the the, the Google photos, and it's all user user done photos. And uh, so it's real. I there's a Food and Wine article about it, and it's like some guy, some crack crackpot that I don't know. I, I didn't see a video of him, but. He reminds me a lot from the article of like a Tommy Wiseau from The mm-hmm. Room, just like a complete delusional weirdo that had a dream and was like, I'm going to achieve this dream. And he achieved the dream. His dream was to open a Garfield um, uh, themed pizza restaurant. He got Jim Davis's uh, agreement to it. That's Jim Davis said this is the weirdest license that uh, anybody has ever asked to, to use Garfield for. Uh, this guy is some weirdo who is uh, an, uh quote unquote entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and so like everything. If you go to his social media or anything like that, it's him giving speeches or trying to like sell ebooks like that type of shit. Yeah, and uh, he did this. the The Food and Wine article says that uh, they they graciously. Oh, it's also it's not a sit down restaurant. It's only takeout, mm-hmm. so there's no sit down. Um, the guy believes in f- farmed. He, it's not it's he calls it farm to plate, which might be a Canadian thing, but here it's farm right. to table obviously. The food and wine people, they the woman or the guy, I can't remember who uh did the article said, you know, it was like a real back and forth to even find out when this place was opening, yada yada yada, and they go there and he was gracious enough to give them half off the menu <laughs> <laughs> to sample the food. And uh they said even for half off like they they got uh, the Garfield pepperoni pie, uh, lasagna, which I think they have a Funny name for and uh, like a the gar the Garfuccino, which is mm-hmm. a, like a chocolate shake type drink, and they said it would have would have came up to fifty dollars if uh, they didn't have a discount. And fifty dollars in Canadian is a little more than fifty dollars American, right. or a little less. Uh, it's more Canadian fair. money, so that's like that's like thirty five or something in American money. Mm-hmm. So it's still. And they said even for the, the half off, it was kind of probably not worth the money. But they they really respect this guy for uh, <laughs> achieving his dream of opening it. And his like, his only um, reasoning was like, he was like, well, Garfield is always hungry and he always wants to eat. And he loves lasagna. So <laughs> it just seemed like an obvious thing to uh, start, start a restaurant about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not doing this justice at all. Just go read this. Search food and wine Garfield eats because it is way more wacky than I'm saying, but just the fact that it exists. Yeah. Um, and it's been around for, I think, a year or two now, so I'm, I'm pretty late to the game. I just want to spread the word of Garfield Eats. Obviously, if we have any listeners in Toronto or going to Toronto soon, let us know about this, because I'm really curious to get a firsthand account of Garfield Eats.
0: Yeah, DM me immediately. I'll give you my direct number. You call me while you're there or while you're eating it. Uh, but yeah, like Garfield Eats is the website. Definitely looks it looks so much like a fake marketing thing. Nothing is clickable. You see, you scroll down, and you see all these things, and there's like they look like they should go to menu items or something. Nothing is clickable, and you can't do anything. And when you even go to the social media account, uh, which is at the bottom, like they kind of use the same photos so often, you get the feeling they only had those. Like, you, why can't you just keep taking pictures of the pizzas you're making? Obviously, you, you know they want you to go to the app. They want you to do this. They want you to do that. Um, there's typos. There's not that many words, and there's still typos. And uh, like, you know, of the photos they have, they have a pile of spaghetti, and it says spaghetti's. Um, the pile of spaghetti looks like there's fungus growing on it. It's it's the worst, <laughs> awful, most awful ball of spaghetti with a random tomato sitting next to it I've ever seen. But when you go to the, uh, the 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 Instagram, it's got a lot more stuff. It still got kind of the same photos over and over. You say like the same photos of the food over and over. There's something called a Garfield Uche or O'Shea. I don't know. I assume that that's mm-hmm. maybe uh, uh, some sort of Mediterranean or like a uh, Middle Eastern food. Uh, it's a whole crust, apparently just covered in time. It's gag inducing like that. <laughs> it, it looks I didn't, like, I didn't
1: go to the Instagrams. So it, like ash- it looks like me. an ashtray,
0: uh, but more, more, <laughs> more, more gag inducing than that. Uh, I believe you when you say that he's like a Tommy Wiseau guy, because the first <laughs> image that you see, it says my tail is delicious and um it's a Garfield potato tail. It's like one of those funfair uh, spiral potatoes. That's
1: the that's the tweet I saw and I was like this cannot be real but yes. Dude,
0: that that's... gives me the dry heaves like eating a a cat tail.
1: My tail is delicious.
0: <laughs> In no way does that track uh, as <laughs> as a good idea. And you know when you scroll that like the 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 more outstanding i mean whatever you think about garfield he does tell jokes and there's no jokes there's no jokes there's no humor (laughs) they have access to 50 years worth of cartoons and he didn't use any of them he doesn't use any like (laughs) punchlines or make any jokes it's just garfield as a pizza like that's the that's the full story (laughs) so yeah like immediately call me if you can eat this and you can tell me what it's about (laughs) so you know taco bell got in on the christmas thing a couple years back like selling merch for christmas and they sold that wrapping paper and it became a deal and now everyone's kind of doing it so you can buy all this all these decorations and all actually no i take it back dunkin donuts has made christmas ornaments for a very long time but now they have a guitar you can buy a dunkin donuts <laughs> christmas guitar <laughs> and you can buy like a popeyes christmas sweater and you can buy all this bullshit um but uh, but mike you have worked harder than anyone has you and Zachariah have worked harder than anybody i've ever met to get one of these things
1: so last year gar uh garfield uh, fucking taco bell taco bell garfield in uh, <laughs> canada released uh this wrapping paper that is the uh a lot of bootleg wish type companies have have kind of ripped this off in the past couple years where it's like mm-hmm. ultra realistic photography of a like a burrito wrap or uh taco bell meat or lettuce and tomatoes like very up close and photorealistic so you know, mm-hmm. you shit, you wrap a present in it, and it looks like a like taco meat and stuff like that. So yeah. Canada released those. Zachariah, who has been on the show in the past, who is a huge Taco Bell collector, owns one of the uh, '90s era Taco Bell booths. Um, he he knew he knew somebody in Canada, and he he had them order it. And he was like, "Oh, do you want some? I'll I'll send it to you when I get it." And I was like, "Yeah, for sure." And this was last year. It was 2018. So <laughs> he sends it. Um, it, it's obviously, he sent it t- sorted during Christmas, because that's when it was released, and that's obviously the busy time in the, the Postal Service. A lot of things are delayed, you get shit crushed, it's a horrible time to be shipping things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, this is when I still work from home, and I'm checking the, uh have the thing open, or no, I get the text. I get the text when my shit's delivered, so I get the text that says the package is delivered, so I go downstairs go down and I don't see it. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I live in kind of like a courtyard type place where I could see the front doors to other buildings. So I'm looking in their their windows and I don't see it. And I'm just like, I'm freaking out. Like I uh, I call like the post office and I'm you know I'm just say I'm like I fucking I heard I heard the delivery notification. I heard the woman downstairs. Where's my package? Is she dropping outside? Blah blah blah. And uh, it was like this thing. I reported it stolen. All this shit, I felt really bad that Zachariah went through the troubles to get me this thing and and, kind of just disappeared. And uh, it was over with. And then, like, three months later, it just showed up at his house, returned to sender, which is odd because it was delivered. It said delivered to my house. And I just assumed somebody stole it or it it fell out of the truck or something like that. But uh, returned to sender, and he was like, fuck you. I'm not (laughs) delivering this to you. Like, you're (laughs) cursed. And I'm just like, oh, I don't. Have, this never happened, so whatever. And uh, then the, you know, a couple weeks ago, he was like, "Hey, do you still have the same address? I'm going to send that paper again." So I'm just like, "Okay." <laughs> and uh, I forget about it. And I uh, two yes yeah yesterday, I was uh I was I was like, "Hey, did you ever? You never really sent that paper, did you? Because I never got it." And he was like, "Oh, I did send it." And I was like, "Oh my god, it happened again." And he was like, "I didn't send it that long ago though." And he checked the receipt and he said, "Oh, it's it's coming today." And uh, sure enough, it came, and sure enough, the wrong address was on it. So I think that's what <laughs> happened last time. I think I gave him the wrong address, or he wrote down the wrong address. And uh, so it got delivered to some weirdo's house, and that weirdo was nice enough to return it to sender. And now I'm a Chicago resident long enough where they just saw my name, and they know my importance on the internet. And they said, oh, I know that guy's right address. I'm going to cross off the wrong address and put his right address on there, because that's what happened. And I got it, and it's beautiful, <laughs> and I am so glad that I didn't I already wrapped all the presents I needed to wrap so I don't have any urges to use this on other people's presents because I want to keep it forever <laughs> I want to frame it it's uh, an, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's kind of bittersweet because um, Scott started to mention that they uh, they kind of one up themselves Taco Bell Canada one up themselves this year and they made the same wrapping paper I believe but now it's crunch wrap scented. Yeah, And uh, I don't think I personally need that, but the fact that it exists and I have last year's model does make me a little envious. But I, but I don't think I need it, though. I don't think I need a, a Smell-O-Vision version.
0: Well, especially if you're if going frame it. <laughs> 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 What's going to happen? Is it going to degrade over time? I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. some, some scents don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't age well, so I don't know. <laughs> if I hadn't seen any of these things, I probably would have tried to get them. I, I would have wrapped probably wrap gifts in them but yeah this is definitely just some shit that should be sitting in my office along with all the other shit that i don't <laughs> touch and, and piled up we'll use this as a segue to roll right into christmas chat we've been on a little break we took a, a brief hiatus mm-hmm. not that long as hiatus is hiatus hiates go uh but you know we're back and it, it's i, I want to be in the christmas spirit as i said a couple episodes ago i want to find it so I said, let's just have a really let's instead of border boss this this episode. It's basic bitch. We're gonna do basic bitch <laughs> chat. And I just want to know, Mike, like, what are some things that you st- as we're you know we're both old, we're both grumpy, we're both you know kind of past the Christmas era. But what do you still mm-hmm. like about Christmas? Do you still like anything about Christmas?
1: I, it's kind of like a give or take with me. I mm-hmm. I uh I like. I like that people like Christmas. Yeah. I like that part of Christmas, that people are into it. I often wonder how I would feel if I lived in, like, a warm climate where Christmas doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think maybe then I would miss <laughs> Christmas, even though now, I, like, I don't really think about it. I, I take it for granted. Uh, like, my girlfriend's really into Christmas. She she gets a tree. This is the first time I've had a tree. Not a real tree, but still a tree in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice. She likes wrapping presents and having them under her tree. And shit like that's cool. It's uh, I don't mind Christmas music. I know that drives some people crazy, but I don't mind Christmas music. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool that there's this whole entire genre that is mountains and mountains worth worth of music out there. <laughs> uh, dedicated to one fucking holiday that is insane. I like the, uh, the great Christmas light fight that comes on ABC. Oh, it's a shit. show where... They go to these psychos' houses that that, uh, <laughs> that just have like crazy light displays, and then mm-hmm. each episode they you know they give a winner. Although this season they've been kind of leaning on um, people who like actually make like professional displays that you know sell tickets to see, and I think they've just run people. But so yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of like a like some of the affirma, affair firma that word <laughs> of Christmas. Mm-hmm. I like creepy Santa Clauses, like old sixties era decorations and shit like that yeah but uh but you know again if if i woke up tomorrow and i lived in la and there was no there's no like semblance of christmas there's no change in the weather there's no uh actual christmas trees i don't know if i would i would miss it mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say
0: well i grew up in a family uh, of, of debtors people who love <laughs> to spend into the red yeah. and i was like inducted into that Uh, fairly early that like as soon as I hit I think maybe 12 they're like okay you gotta start coming out of pocket Uh, (laughs) you know I didn't have income yet and they were like you got 14 15 people you gotta get them a gift and they're not gonna tell you what they want and it better be good because they're gonna buy you so much shit because they have credit cards they don't care about they don't have money nobody in my family was rich but they have credit cards
1: I still remember the year do you remember the store Leechmare
0: yes yeah
1: that was, like, the only store ever to, like, approve my mom for a credit card or something like that. <laughs> and that Christmas was great. Like every, I got a lot. That was the year I got the 3DO. That was, like, four or $500. Nice. Just, like, wild, wild electronics.
0: Is she still uh, paying it off? or <laughs> Yeah, probably. I'm pretty
1: sure she's probably still paying that Because they, they didn't, for people who don't know, Lechmere was a store for, like, a year. Yeah. So I don't know if that debt disappears once a store closes, but... She definitely still had it once they closed. There
0: was one here, and I went there frequently. And a friend of mine worked there, but uh, also the guy on Press Your Luck, the host of Press Your Luck, used to pronounce it Lechmere. <laughs> so I remember it being Lechmere, and I called it Lek-mir. Uh But yeah, I don't. I don't like Christmas because of that. Because like for me, Christmas like I have memories, good memories. You know, everyone has '80s Christmas memories of our age. Like you have, you know, warm thoughts about mm-hmm. waking up and getting some sort of Star Wars. Uh, that's like that's in there, but everything else is like being stressed and shopping. <laughs> For yeah. people I don't really like at age twelve, so Christmas is not a thing for me. But there there's three categories of things that I like a lot, and that like I like them, you know, unqualifiedly. Like you know, I like all ancient de- decorations, right? Like everybody likes ancient Christmas decorations, P- cheap plastic holly, the lights that have like those weird breakable plastic flower shapes around them. You know, the <laughs> first the first pink light you ever saw in your life, probably right, because that's like the only place yeah. you can see a pink light. But there's only two ornaments that are worth a damn for me. Like I, the, you could throw all that shit away. Oh
1: man, I hope it's I hope it's my favorite one. I hope it is.
0: The first one is the ceramic tree. Okay. You know, there's a ceramic tree that everybody has. It's like heavy. Yep. Uh it has the little plastic lights like glued in just with glue. Like somebody <laughs> someone <laughs> was gluing in these things. Yeah. I've loved these things since I was a kid because those little lights seemed super clever to me when I was a kid. It was the first uh you know, a first of that there's a word for that. I don't know what it's called, but that's the first thing I ever <laughs> saw that was like that. And it just seemed like a toy, even though it's the most deadly decoration in the house it's unstable it's breakable all those little glued in lights come out but it had such a toy vibe i was mega mega into this thing and i still like we have two of them now and it's the only thing that like i'll go back in you know after i save my child i'll go back into the house my burning house to get these two things (laughs) and save them and the other thing speaking of burning is the bubble lights oh okay uh (laughs) That's basically like having 10 lava lamps for, you know, the, <laughs> the fraction of the price of one lava lamp.
1: You, you mean the ones that are that you put on the tree that are, like, gigantic? They look almost like eggs?
0: Uh, these are, are kind of large, and they look like a candle. But they're full of some sort of, like, alcohol that heats up from the bulb, and it bubbles. Oh, so they look good. like 10. I don't
1: think I've ever seen these before.
0: Oh, you gotta Google. Like, these things are great. They're great, and they've been around since, like, the 60s. They're, they're huh. ancient tech. But there's something in there that has a low boiling point and they bubble and they burn out in seconds like (laughs) as soon as you plug them in they start to burn out but you know like i think every kid in 1983 wanted a lava lamp and one of those lightning balls from spencer gifts right and this was like this is the way that you could have it for almost no (laughs) money
1: i'm kind of bummed that uh, we didn't have these growing up fuck man this sucks i'm looking at them now i'm real jealous yeah might might get them when they come on sale this year for next year, <laughs>
0: Fuck. I have two strings of on my tree right now. They're oh. very, they're very fragile. They're still fragile. They're still insanely flammable, uh, very deadly.
1: <laughs> so uh, my two, one is also a ceramic tree, but I've I've come to recently appreciate this. Although the one that in my house that we had was like. I think there was, like, a second purpose to it. Like, it had holes in it. I think you're supposed to, like, burn potpourri. <laughs> and uh, it was, like, a potpourri holder. But that's that was our ceramic tree. Yeah. Um, but, so, I think I would try and get... I miss potpourri in general. No one burns that anymore. No, they that's do oils now. Thing. It's essential oils. Yeah, yeah that's, like, a, a smell of the 80s right there. It's fucking potpourri smell. Oh, man. Uh, the second <laughs> one is uh, very old-timey. And I hope... Um, Hope Scott knows what I'm talking about because these were like my grandparents' decorations, so they could have been from like the 40s or the 30s, mm-hmm. and it could just be something like my only my family had or some shit like that. But there was these these ornaments that used to hang on the tree that was like uh kind of like a, a gazebo shape, like a covered in gazebo, and they had like a metal fan, pinwheel fan on the bottom, and you could blow into them and they would spin inside, like the the fan would spin inside, and so. It was like a kind of like an interactive ornament. They're old as fuck.
0: Was it and, supposed uh, to be over a candle so the heat would make this thing spin? No
1: No, no. It was just like a, a plastic ornament that looked like a, a gazebo or like the top of a castle and uh, it had like a little kind of like pinwheel fan inside of it and you just spun it or you you blew in it and it would spin. And that was like the whole thing. I don't know what they're called. Man, when those those got busted out, I, was, I would just wait when they like they took the tree out and they're putting up the ornaments. I would just wait for those to come out because I would just blow in them all day and make them spin. I don't know what they're called. Hopefully, some, somebody out there knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Oh, I, I,
0: I, what? oh yeah, there's like a vintage spinner, and it, yeah, these are I've never seen these. I've never seen yeah. these either. They're like really cheap plastic looking, yeah, like yeah, different yeah. colors. Yeah, and there's definitely just. This is so, this is weird. So you're supposed to blow in this. You're supposed to walk up to your tree (laughs) tree and blow on this thing. Like I thought for sure, I was like, no, whatever Mike's (laughs) talking about is supposed to do something else. Oh yeah,
1: this one, this vintage Christmas blue periwinkle spinner. That's the first thing on eBay. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, So
0: when placed above a light, when placed above a light, they whirl, they spin. So like the heat of the light bulb is supposed to make that thing spin. That's that makes more so sense. So
1: you you would probably I don't think we ever use that powerful yeah. <laughs> light bulbs in my house. Oh, Fuck. dude, there was a
0: bunch of did you did you, did you ever have the little pla- the cardboard houses that you're supposed to put a light bulb inside that if you want your house to burn down overnight yeah
1: sure. I, re- I remember those yeah yeah we, we never did <laughs> any of that like although there
0: was a whole bunch of there's like a lot of stuff that you're supposed to and there was like some hallmark ornaments you were supposed to pull a bulb out and plug that in instead like a little yeah, mouse or yeah, something yeah. Holding the bulb.
2: yeah yeah
0: we yeah, have I, those. if you want to die i guess <laughs> yeah those those are awesome i've never seen those uh, so you mentioned music and of course you know i like uh, old christmas music a lot quite a bit i didn't like it as much as i do now I've, i'll listen to it o- off season I'll put up, uh, you know, Happy Holidays, Andy Williams, off-season. I'll listen to that in July. (laughs) Okay, I like that sound. And I really like, you know, old Gregorian chant sounding like, you know, Good King Wenceslas shit, that dark fucking (laughs) Lord of the Rings kind of Christmas music. But when I really like it is when one of your local stations goes off the air and becomes some sort of Christmas robot radio. (laughs) I, I assume this happens other places, right? Like a station that doesn't get a lot of play just vanishes and becomes Christmas music. Twenty-four-seven. There's a couple channels that do it around here, and they've been doing it for years. And when it happens, it is the deadest, most apocalyptic thing you can imagine. It, like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's not that apocalyptic. First of all, nobody's listening to a radio anymore, so a, a child doesn't know what I'm talking about right now. But uh, there's these the things that's in your parents' car used to have people that talked a lot. Like radio generally has people who talk a lot. They have DJs, they have um, station IDs, they have commercials. There's some life to it. Uh, other than the music this doesn't do that this like the world the world vanishes and just some robot is spinning christmas music and it feels even though it's christmas music and it's full of like joy and and life and and all that stuff it feels really weird it feels different and weird and hollow and dead to be listening to (laughs) to, like uh this unending especially if you're on a long drive or something like that and you're hearing you know and you you hear the mariah carey song for the the fourth (laughs) time that evening Uh, i i like it i like that a lot it feels it's very spacey it's like uh, night of the comet it's like you're you're in a world where like the world is just running on on fumes and uh no no human is at the wheel anymore
1: yeah that was the only time i would hear um one of my favorite one of my favorite christmas songs grandma got run over by reindeer yeah is when uh that, that would pop up
0: surprisingly that song i think is very copyright aggressive Oh, okay. Because uh, there was a Todd in the Shadows, the guy we talked about, Todd in the Shadows, who reviews, yeah. like, uh, one-hit wonders and stuff like that. He tr- he did a video for that, and it, it's been pulled several times. Wow. <laughs> he keeps trying to put it back up. It keeps getting pulled.
1: But I like, this is a newer thing that I got into, is, and like I, I mentioned, there there's a wealth of Christmas music out there. There's actually a documentary about it. I can't remember if I legally watched it or if it was on Amazon Prime or something, but it was about just Christmas albums. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there is so much. I know a lot of people who buy records now have no... They have no idea that they they made records back back in the olden days, and they don't just sell them at Target. You don't, <laughs> you don't spend $40 for a Beatles record at Target. You can actually go to record stores and buy 40 records for $40. <laughs> and a lot of those are Christmas records, and you never know what you're going to find. And I'm too... I don't want to own actual physical Christmas records because that's just a slippery slope I don't want to go down. Yeah. But there's Spotify... And I'll say they don't have anything, like, the little i found yet, like, too crazy. But there's still shit on there that you didn't know existed as, uh, you know, as Christmas music. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to dip into, like, old soul Christmas. And, again, a lot of the stuff you search is just going to come up as, uh, like, the, the basics. But still, it's cool to see um, just searching through now that we have this at our fingertips, just, like, all holes filled, to just kind of, like, all holes filled Christmas music and see uh, see what's out there. It's Yeah. It's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, actually, like I, I didn't know this because I don't listen to this kind of music. But I was uh, there, there was some sort of podcast about how there hasn't been like a Christmas hit since the since Mariah Carey, basically. Like that, yes, yeah, like, Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah, she has the last, and it only became that only became like a legendary hit recently. Like it's 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 been out forever, yeah. and it's been everyone loves it, but it only became like a Billboard Hot 100 or whatever recently, and only a couple of Christmas songs have ever done it. But uh, apparently you know, like Coldplay put out a Christmas album and uh, like the killers. super
1: easy money. Yeah. It's super easy money. Everybody tries to do it. Yeah. Uh, it was obviously easier money back in the day. So it's just like,
0: it made more, it even... made more sense back in the day for like Donny Osmond or something like that. to do yeah, a Christmas yeah, album, yeah. Of course. Or like some clean cut <laughs> singer to do a Christmas album. Even Mariah Carey, that makes perfect sense. She's like a singer, you know, she's just like a, she yeah. doesn't have a point of view. There's no like, it's Mar... <laughs> not like an agenda to <laughs> Mariah Carey. So I, I don't, you know, you're going to have a different opinion on this because you're a, you're a foodsman, of uh, you're a professional foodsman now, but I don't think there's a ton of Christmas food. There's not a ton of Christmas food that really lights me up. You know, like I like the rainbow candy cane that tastes like cheap fruit. I like that a lot better than regular candy canes. I like when little Debbie cakes become tree shaped, they taste a little better for some reason, same cake, <laughs> but when it's green and shaped like a tree, it's a little better. And you know, what else is that? It's like gingerbread. It's, okay. Gingerbread rules, gingerbread, but you can have gingerbread anytime, gingerbread house. That's cool. But I don't like, there's no, there's not a meal to Christmas. It's just Thanksgiving again. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yes. And there's not even like a pumpkin pie, you know, pumpkin, Thanksgiving has pumpkin pie. And like Christmas doesn't really have like one thing that you can name that's like, oh, I can't wait to have the Christmas eggnog or something like that. Uh, but um, I'm going to digress a bit. I was talking to a friend of mine about camping a while back. Right. And specifically campground camping. I don't know if you've ever been campground camping, like any of if, if your uncles or something had like a, uh, like a camper and you just go to these no, places no i'm not
1: i've i've never been a piece of shit so <laughs> <I
0: didn't realize>. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah you just you just go to a place that you're still in civilization you're not really camping at all you have electricity you have plumbing yeah. um and there's an arcade and there's like a, a like oh, a man. you know all these That's things sweet. yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not really camping but when you go there you take a vacation from common sense and biology because you just take a whole week and you eat all the marshmallows and hot dogs and candy bars you want as though being out in the woods somehow hides you from your endocrine system. <laughs> Even as an adult, you do this. If you go if you go to the campground camping, you sit around and you eat nothing but cheese its and hot dogs the whole time you're there. And Christmas has a portable version of this known as the Hickory Farms gift box.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> no one's ever bought me one of these. And to this day, I, I cry a tear, but I love the idea. I love the idea that a whole industry... That takes a lot of work comes out of nowhere at christmas (laughs) it just vanishes and then around christmas time all of a sudden there's this whole world of uh you know spice meats and cheeses that you can buy and pretzels and and candies and they're all pretty good and you know this is the only time of the year that you'll you'll go up you'll give your grandma a hug and then you'll hand her seventy eight thousand grams of sodium like with a solid <laughs> ass six pounds of summer sausages and smoked cheese. And the fact that it's so seasonal and so limited to one brand. Uh, probably there's probably more brands now, but, uh, you know, it's an incredible uh, achievement. And I hope someone gets me one this year. I don't <laughs> think they will.
1: Uh, yeah, man. My my grandpa would just rack up the gift boxes <laughs> on Christmas time. Because no one knew what to get him because he was a weird old man. that was into like Satan and Dianetics and stuff. So <laughs> uh, like everybody would just buy him. Either that, or like summer sausage, or something, or yeah. you know something. So it would be sweet. He'd give me like little pieces of meat on crackers and like little cheese. I loved it. I love that shit. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually seen one of those in a long time though. Um, yeah. Secondly, I just want to say uh, Scott is a racist. There's a thing called the Feast of the Seven Fishes that Italians celebrate uh, the night before, <laughs> <laughs> the night before Christmas. That is a whole unique blend of food. So uh, there's
0: that. Um, is, it seven, is it seven fish? Did it's,
1: we... uh, I don't, like, I think at some point it was. I, I, I remember my, f- my, my sister's family doing it, like, cause they're, my sister's father, uh, was very Italian family. My, mm. my family's just kind of Italian, but, uh, so I remember them doing it and it's just, and my mom, did it to a point where we would always eat seafood the day on Christmas Eve, mm. uh, but not as elaborate where it was actually seven fishes. But yeah, most Italians do eat seafood um, before on Christmas Eve. Mm. And, uh, I so I hated that growing up because I hated <laughs> seafood. But I mean, it's a thing. But I'm with you where it's just kind of like it's like Thanksgiving Part Two, and I think people try and make it a thing where they're like, oh no, it's the Christmas ham or something. That's like, yeah. oh come on, dude, that's <laughs> not like no one. Like, you read that in, like, a Berenstain Bears or something, and you just, just, (laughs) like, people have been trying to make it a thing, and it's not, it's really Thanksgiving Part 2, so I've been trying for years to get on board with uh, the Japanese who have made, obviously, you're a nerd, you're listening to this, you know that KFC in Japan is, like, a huge thing for Christmas, to the point where, Mm -hmm. I was watching a video on it yesterday, where uh, they make, like, like, KFC Japan grosses, like, $54 million a year in profit and uh 10 million of that is made just on christ like the two days of christmas christmas Eve and christmas because that's all they do like everybody eats christ and there's no there's only like two percent christians in japan too so it's just like (laughs) all these people basically celebrating christmas just to eat kfc and i think that's amazing i've been trying to do this you obviously can't buy kfc on the day of christmas here because they're closed but i finally my girlfriend was asking she's like what do you want for for food for christmas
0: KFC.
1: I, like, I, I was like I want that fucking KFC style <laughs> and she's not agreeing to that. She's going to make fried chicken, but we're going to have a very Japanese Christmas as far as food. And uh but I think that's so fucking cool, man. I we we do a Taco Bell podcast. I just what if what <laughs> if that's what we dedicate Christmas to, guys? Just yeah. uh start here. We'll use our small army of listeners and it'll just spread to your families. And your friends, families, and just, who knows, in 10 years, it'll just be fucking normal for everybody at Taco Bell on Christmas.
0: (laughs) It probably beats having the Yule Loaf.
1: (laughs) Yes, for sure.
0: You ate a can of Miracle Whip recently uh, in front of people. Oh, yeah. um, can you just uh, first of all, did it taste like? Did it just taste like Miracle Whip? It sure fucking did, man. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff
1: in and a lot of sweet stuff going in there. And you told me some bullshit about when you freeze it, it'll taste different or something <laughs> like that. And uh, I have not had Miracle Whip in my life since I was maybe ten years old, mm-hmm. and it's like a taste I still remember to the like. And I was like, oh, it's been 30 years. Maybe it doesn't really taste like that. <laughs> and no, it tastes like that. I don't know how anybody enjoys that shit. I've never thrown anything away <laughs> faster in my life.
0: Well, there's a picture. So this is Retro Food Ghoul chat, obviously, yeah. if you haven't seen this. Retro Food Ghoul uh, did a, a thing called a Yule Loaf, which was like, you know, spend 45 minutes swirling around literal, li- literally Miracle Whip, which is mayo if you don't <laughs> eat this way. It's mayonnaise. It's sweet mayonnaise. cheap sweet mayonnaise and it said you know put a bunch of colorful maraschino cherries in this roll it up and stick it in a coffee can go ahead (laughs) stick it in a coffee can and when you and when you take it out it's going to be like this delightful swiss roll looking thing that you can slice easily and your your guests will be over the fucking moon and uh it didn't doesn't look like it went that way
1: no um i don't know if i i don't think i fucked up it's not like i did anything weird it's Mm. possible that uh they make miracle whip differently now and it doesn't freeze as easily anymore i don't know I know so I got this from a of course somebody posted like this from on the internet It was like a magazine page of a recipe mm-hmm. with no context. I kind of guessed just by looking at the labels that it's from the late 70s, early 80s yeah and you know if you guys if you guys don't know the behind the scenes when you see food and photography it's not real right And so I looked at it and I was like, there is absolutely no fucking way on earth. Whatever I do to this is gonna come out looking like that. Like it doesn't even sound like it would come out looking like the picture. So uh I was expecting it to be not not as stable as the picture, but uh not to that extent.
0: It's just Miracle Whip. Yes. So um last episode I promised I was gonna start reviewing Bang and versus Rain.
2: <laughs> that
0: may resume at some point. Uh I had a bunch. I've dra- I've drank a lot of them for some reason over the last Few weeks during the hiatus, I there's a there's we we have our Walmart has a bunch of off brand ones. So we had I've had birthday cake and pina colada. I've had the oh man, uh, Miami Cola. They also they have some coffee flavors now, they like Whew. they seem to have real milk in them. But uh, last episode, drinking you know 64 ounces of energy drink uh, along with my normal caffeine intake <laughs> of Diet Pepsi and uh, coffee, I had restless leg syndrome for three days and couldn't sleep. So <laughs> Not gonna, I, I'm not I'm I'm not going to do that probably for a while anymore. So, you know, I don't think anyone was hanging on the edge of their seat, but just in case you tune in for Bang versus Rain chat today, uh it, yeah, find another <laughs> podcast. But uh, you know, now no, now the kids have gone to bed and it's it's nighttime. It's the second part of the I'm upgrading our our brand by the way. We're now Border Boss and Family, Mike, because we're, oh we're fa- Border Boss and Family because I think the listeners are also friends. <laughs> they don't get to talk into these microphones. They don't. They're not gonna. You don't get to talk into our mic. But you're our <laughs> friends. If you're listening to this, trust me, you're our friends. But Mike and I are family, Border Boss and family. So you're in the nighttime portion of the Border Boss and Family podcast, all holes filled, where we listen to two records <laughs> each. <laughs> I didn't write an intro. Uh,
1: so. <laughs> okay. So uh, my first record of the night. Um, I don't. Discuss. So yeah, these are records we never listened to before, or yeah. you know, lightly listened to. And uh, now we're gonna we're gonna listen to them in our old age and see uh, see how yeah. we feel about them. Uh, so my first record of the night is Alkaline Trio's "God Damn It." This was from 1998. Um, this was their debut album. I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't know that before. So I listened.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know. I don't think I knew that either.
1: Yeah they they are oh. from Chicago. Uh, that is not really why I chose them. I chose them because I am on my. Uh, my endless search to find the creator the the what the the linchpin the origin of the uh campfire memories pop punk the adult contemporary (laughs) pop punk that was very popular now five or six years ago i don't even think maybe it's still popular i don't know uh and i think a couple episodes ago i did alcohol or uh, i did dillinger four and it wasn't that Mm -hmm. and i've tried a a couple other things and it wasn't that so I was just like uh maybe it's alkaline trio that's a band i never listened to and i i don't think maybe you know i could see some some uh i didn't listen to to further alkaline trio so i i could see some seeds of it in this so mm-hmm. i don't know if this is really the origin of it um it's definitely uh surprising I'll, I'll spoil it i i think this is a pretty good record i didn't i wasn't expecting to uh like this at all i was expecting it just to be kind of a thing that existed but I remember back in the day, this was up there with Dillinger 4, where this record would be cited in so many different reviews for other records saying it's not as good as the Alkaline Trio record. Yeah, It's uh, always a band I've heard people talk about, but I've never heard, actually. Uh, so this is my first time. So again, I was kind of expecting more of uh, the kind of cleaner pop punk that would come along. And I could see where this is kind of bridging the gap between the, uh, the sappy... 90s pop punk and what would become like the 2000s more clean, uh, different kind of snappy pop punk. I guess you would say it's um I the only the only bands I could remember from back then that I remember playing the style were like Digger and Game Face, mm-hmm. which I think were both like New Jersey bands. So I think if yeah you were in that area, I don't know if you would know them, but they always stuck out as like why would people make music that sounded like this? <laughs> uh, I didn't get it. Like I was you know I was. If you had a, a girlfriend at the time and she was into some kind of punk, punk, chances are there would have been like a Game Face song on the mixtape she made you or <laughs> something like that. And this is totally brings me back. This Alkaline Trio totally brings me back to that world of uh, girls making mixtapes for you and you know guys obviously making mixtapes for girls too. It wasn't just a one-way street. Ladies out there don't think, uh, young ladies out there don't think that's how it was. It was, it was men making mixtapes for women also. <laughs> um, but this totally brings me back. But for what it is, I think this is super good. I think uh, they hit the highest highs. I think you can with this music, and I think it's because at least a couple people in this band are probably a little too advanced to be playing this music. So (laughs) it's kind of strange because um, you never think about that in pop punk. You never think, oh, there's probably like some actual crazy musicians. But like for one, the drummer is um, doing—he's—he's punching well above his weight in this band where. He's doing a lot of like Mastodon level drum fuckery and just doing like these crazy drum fills and all this stuff for you know essentially pop music like yeah. you know essentially just uh, stuff that he could just be playing like a four on the floor drum beat to, but instead he's just going he's going ape shit on these drums and I don't know if it's for his own amusement or this was a he's a like a, our old drummer or again like the drummer from Mastodon where he's just like I gotta play like this or mm-hmm. it's it's not gonna hold my attention. Um, so that is something you don't, I don't think you hear too often in this type of kind of sappy love letter pop punk. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. I also think the people who would, are in charge of writing the songs are again, punching a little above their weight. And, uh, again, this is their debut. So I don't know if, uh, this was the, the, the peak and it was all downhill from here or this was just the, the beginning of the mountain. So I, I'm i never going to care to learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, maybe if, again, if we do a retrospective episode or something, but I don't think I'm going to listen to future stuff. So somebody could, could clue me in if you want, if uh, it gets better after this or if it gets worse. But um, there's a second, the second track on here is one of the only kind of what I would call songs that I would have actually listened to at the time or would have been familiar with that type of goofy pop punk. It's called cop. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of this story about this dude's friend becoming a cop, and him just saying, "Why the hell did you become a cop?" And I think it's like really endearing, and I really like the song. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was just something where I was like, "Man, I would have been super into this song back then." Um, it's also kind of dark to think that everybody who wrote this song, I assume, is an adult now and probably is probably friends with cops in real <laughs> life now, because you got to—I mean, just you play the you play the the odds game. And the numbers game, and at least one person in this band probably supports Trump at this point. You got to you got to just assume. So uh, they probably like. I hate that cop song now, <laughs> um, uh, but at the time, I think this is like a really clever song for this type of genre. Uh, there's uh, a couple, not even one, or it's not even at the end of the record, but there's a couple peppered in the uh, the middle of the record, uh, acoustic tracks. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the band to start this trend. Um, I, like I said, I'm not a pop-punk historian, I don't remember many bands that I listened to in the pop-punk realm that did acoustic, and, uh, so I'm gonna blame them, I'm gonna blame a, a yeah. Alkaline Trio for inventing this trend that <laughs> still exists today, where it's the strangest combination, it's like, I don't know, I don't know, it's like peanut butter and vinegar or something, like, where, <laughs> like, well, who, why do all these pop-punk people... Relate and associate with acoustic music where they're like, you know what, we should do? We should take these shitty songs we wrote Mm -hmm. uh, on electric instruments and then make them shittier by just me, the singer, playing them on an acoustic guitar. (laughs) And like, who the fuck? It's just a strange thing that um, this is, you know, this is audible proof that it's been going on since at least 1998. And it still continues to this day, 20 years later. People, pop punk bands are still doing acoustic sets, putting acoustic songs on their records yep. and I don't fucking get it.
0: Well, I think against me when they started, that was their whole thing. Like that was the band. Okay. They, they they were like, oh, we're folky punk or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great. Uh, I'll never be wide enough to understand that. So um, if this is really what started it, I, I hate this forever. Um, I couldn't, <laughs> on multiple listens, I couldn't skip those songs fast enough. Yeah. So um, I do not like acoustic music, but I think if you do play it, um, like in Elliot Smith, I can, I can get down with Elliot Smith cause that's all he does is play acoustic music. Uh, well you can't, you can't do both, man. It's one or the other. Um, but no, overall I really think this is in that kind of nineties sappy, uh, I don't even know what the, the proper term is, is, it? but like that teen love pop punk, this is, this yeah. has to be top of the heap. And now I understand why it kind of got all the praise? I think the songwriting is really amazing for the genre. I think the guy's voice, the vocals, are kind of give or take it or leave it. I don't think they're you're automatically in love with them. I kind of like them, but I could see them grating on some people. Uh, but yeah, this is a a great surprise. I like this record. I'm never gonna listen to it again because I'm a little too old. But if you are a pop punk person that maybe is younger. And hasn't listened to this yet. I would I would definitely seek this out because it's very good. But Scott, I feel like you might have a different opinion on me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I'd accidentally like this because they're fr- they're from this like the Chicago scene has a lot of these bands that I just for some reason like that I shouldn't like Naked yeah. Raygun is one of the classics and I really like Naked Raygun and they're <laughs> not anything I should I, they just hit me the right way or whatever. But uh, you know, there's a specific mode of lyrics that I could smell <laughs> a mile away. Uh, you know, it is pretty, it's, it was pretty evident in like nineties punk and indie rock and especially like goofy ska type stuff. Those the emo bands, all that were, it it got really out of control in the 2000s emo. And I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from the inside. It's like when you get really specific about something and then a couple lines later, try and get really sincere. Uh, I don't <laughs> it, Like the really awful version of this is the band train. Everyone knows the band train that like, uh, whole hey soul sister song that whole song is this where he's like my heart's gonna beat out of my untrimmed chest who the fuck says that no one says untrimmed (laughs) chest no that's not a that's not a phrase you're supposed to hear that specific phrase and then like him singing about listening to mr mr and madonna you're supposed to be tricked into thinking that there's some big story there like that's the move is that you if you get that specific you're like oh man this must be This must have really happened. This must be a story. (laughs) But I've been there, man. I've never been in train, but I've been the dipshit who tried to turn like clever diary entries into songs like this. And I could smell it a mile away. And I was pretty sure I was smelling it all over this album. And it's hard to tell for a while because, you know, almost everything you sing in this kind of Ben Folds 5 vocal style sounds like that, whether you like it or not. But I was pretty sure I was picking up traces of this trick. And then we hit that song clavicle and it was target acquired i found you guy (laughs) i mean if you drop that line once there's like a vanishingly slim chance it might have worked out bro but you said it like 25 times i can't let that go so now my terminator (laughs) eye is bright red and i'm aware and there's not a path back there from here i can't like i can't (laughs) unhear it and i can't relax anymore i can't (laughs) relax and the like the very next song you know, my life is pretty sheltered these days. I don't interact a lot with this situation very often. So maybe people who are living that life, they feel differently. But I think it's super fucking annoying when someone tries to make a cute, funny song about desperate drug addiction. Like if you try and be funny and cute about like being homeless and and like trying to get a needle or whatever. Anytime I hear something like this, I, I think of like Everclear. You know, the band Everclear, they did these, like, <laughs> iconic, brightly colored videos, and he did that big game show host smile, and he's singing, you know, about his absent father and alcoholism, and, and I don't believe a word of it. It doesn't even matter if it's true. I don't, it's fucking annoying, and I don't believe you. <laughs> so, like, all that stuff, it, it takes me out. I don't like that style. Uh, What you said is right. Like, these guys are very good at music, and he's a very good singer. Um, And I think, I think there's something more to this. I think there's something more to this band, because when we talked about AFI a while back, I mentioned these guys because I thought that these guys also did like the goth punk thing. Yeah. And they look it. And I think that was kind of the thing I'd always heard about them is that they're like a higher quality product than the average, like epitaph band or something like that. I think there's some Gothic grim stuff. Even in this album, there's some sort of like grim, almost like death metal lyrics here and there that are (laughs) pretty brutal. And this might be a good time. As you mentioned, this might be a good time to uh, drop that we're considering doing an episode sometime soon where we revisit some of the bands where there was controversy or you know that we picked the wrong album people love to say that they yeah. love to tell us we picked the wrong album so now's your chance like if you're an avid listener and you've just been angrily sitting on your hands uh because we picked the wrong gun guns and roses album or something <laughs> like a uh, border boss eternal at, at gmail.com border boss rip on twitter and instagram like sound off uh, maybe alkaline trio is a contender because i think they do. I think they did some better stuff later. So if there's like a master of puppets down the line, uh, yeah. To
1: be fair, this is not like I think Scott has said this before. He he judges records by he goes to Spotify and they recommend records. Right. This is like they, there's like four records that <laughs> uh, that are on their their Spotify and goddamn it is not one of them. Yeah. So uh, I don't remember why. I think I just chose this one because it was more like I remember when it came out and it, it being a thing. So that's
0: why I chose this one. <laughs> uh, so mostly I was super surprised that this band wasn't Canadian. Cause you know, <laughs> in, in my glancing experience with like music that's this enunciated, but also really competently played nine times out of 10, that's a Canadian band. Uh, there's another singer who chimes in on a couple songs. He can maybe not, you could have him not sing; he doesn't add anything. And your main guy, the Ben Folds guy, he's a very competent singer. Just give him the mic nonstop. So uh, my uh, first album of the day, "Bastard Noise: A Culture of Monsters," uh, from 2010 on Deep Six Records. I think I, I never trust any of this man as the bastard. Shit It could be on any any label. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: the whole like the whole man as the bastard lineage is something I never wanted to mess with much as a kid. Like I got lucky; I bought a couple other records and. Like their first, well, they're probably on and off, but they were kind of like a grindy, uh, power violence, heavy sludge band and really like brutal. And that's super fine. I'll take that all day. Uh, and I, so I bought, you know, and you want to like this band because their name is Man is the Bastard. That's awesome. You want to put that skull sticker on your bass. Of course you want to. I do. You want to buy a bass so you can put that skull sticker on it. <laughs> but these guys put out a record every 45 minutes. And. <laughs> It could be anything from like the grinding borderline death metal stuff to just like random hisses and spoken word and money was involved here. I had to pay. That's a very (laughs) toxic situation for me when I was a kid. So I just sidestepped that issue for 25 years. I was like, yeah, you know, I know I like some of their stuff. I'm sure there's more. Maybe I'll find out in t- 2019. <laughs> so I read some list and it had like you know the most important hardcore albums of the of the early 2000s, like up to 2010 or something like that. And this was on there, and I was like, really, Bast- bastard noise? Because I was assuming for sure under this band name, this was going to be Power Electronics or Harsh Noise. <laughs> uh, and you know, unpopular opinion, but that that's a stupid genre. That's a really stupid <laughs> genre of music. This might lose us some listeners. But like, I think if you listen to like Vomir or if you get stoked when the opening band is one of those guys shouting swears into a pedal or something like that, I think you're lying. I was actually talking to someone recently and he mentioned how, you know, when when, when you're in college, there's these Christian groups, right? And they try and recruit you and they all tell you that they've spoken personally with Jesus, that Jesus has spoken to them. They're lying, right? (laughs) But eight of them will be in a room and all of them are trying to make the other one believe that Jesus spoke to them and they all know they're lying you guys are all sitting in a room together and you all know that you're fucking full of shit and you're doing it that's what i think noise harsh noise is i don't know yeah uh
1: that's it's made a comeback man i see people post about it on fucking facebook and instagram and i'm like are you fucking serious this should be dead this should not be a thing anymore And I've even talked to people, and they're like, yeah, I don't mind some of it. And it's like, really? (laughs) What do you... you?" And so, it's okay. It's one thing if you listen to that. Fine. That's weird. But it's fine. But seeing it live, (laughs) seeing a man hit a bunch of distortion pedals, and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. That is... Yeah. That is some kind of nodding your
0: head and yeah. clapping and like approving.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know it existed when we were young, but yeah. like, it's it, I'm too old for this. I'm too old to compute this happening and people uh, people watching it.
0: Unless you're trying to fall asleep, like you want a white noise generator. So.
1: <laughs> so
0: we lucked out. We lucked out. This is one of the records that has music on it. Uh, it started off with some spoken word stuff, and I was bummed out. I was like ah shit. But then it kicks in, and I, I had kind of forgotten all about how power violence was i just forgot like because i haven't listened it's been 25 years or something i haven't really listened to anything like this in a while and uh i forgot that they don't really care if they don't quite hit the mark you know you know what i mean like like if if the guitars are a little too gnarly or if the singer literally just sounds like grover you know he sounds like Grover. it's fine like the band is basically just saying you know what we mean you know what we had in mind right like you know what i mean it's not supposed. That's
1: to. like that was the actual definition of power violence. Everybody thought it was like power violence meant like uh, like speedy like Monster X or something like that. Yeah. But it didn't. It meant just like making this music where they're just like ah fuck it yeah. like it's close <laughs> enough. Like that that's the actual definition of power
0: violence. You, call, you could call it approximate grindcore. This is approximately grindcore. <laughs> like, you know they're not actually supposed to sound like Fear Factory. It's supposed to be a little loose and a little messy and punk and you yeah. know. and also a lot of it is like daringly stupid. You know like spaz would make lots of wrestling jokes or a band would name itself charles bronson you know that's pretty stupid so you get all of those things colliding immediately in the track me and hitler uh (laughs) it it takes a certain set of them to just name your song me and hitler and then have most of the lyrics literally just be me and hitler me and hitler (laughs) Uh, but it's fine this is a band that can sell that product like you know they have a background they have some cachet but then you'll know, eventually the true magic begins uh because they do that for a while they it's power it sounds like old power violence and then all the clunky angry stuff vanishes and there'll be seven or eight minutes of s- like space travel uh prog doom synth jams with drawn out feedback and like long long stretches of melody and uh cosmic prog psychedelic doom <laughs> ideas I think it I think it's amazing this <laughs> <laughs> it was not ex- what I would thought was gonna happen uh, it unlocked a secret that I like I never really thought about which because you know I don't I don't I like but don't love goofy grind music and I like but don't love that dull instrumental drone metals like if you're the kind of person who got into Russian circles and Pelican and cult of Luna and mm-hmm. all that snooze metal we were in a slow metal band so we had to hear all these bands. it wore off so fast i don't and i like mogwai when mogwai first started i don't want to hear them anymore but this this might work for you if you are like me because uh it's way out it's spacey it's all that shit. but it's four times more fun because they break it up with they break up all those nap times with like interludes of being in a basement in 1992 and shouting with a Pink Floyd jam after every single time. I loved it. This is by far my favorite album of all holes filled during our hiatus. Wow. I listened to this on purpose numerous times. I even like the part where they lapsed into 70s pop jazz for a few minutes. I like the whole thing. I'm sure glad I picked this one because I clicked on another one of their albums and it was stupid static and dumb tape loops and shit Of fucking course. So Mike, what did you think of Bastard Noise?
1: Okay, just a, a little background. I never heard this before, but I was, uh, this was the power of violence stuff. I had try not to call it that because i know people are weird about yeah. it but uh like there's again P- the power by the definition of power violence of b- always has been to me is like this kind of just like scene of california bands that were just doing this weird kind of sloppy shit right and uh but um i was super into this shit for a while but like scott said man is the bastard would put out 17 seven inches mm-hmm. a week spaz did it too and those type of bands like i heard them i never saw him out so i would hear a man as the bastard on a comp or something like that and i'd be like that's fine and uh yeah i never i never saw him out like i was more into stuff like dystopia and a new attack and yeah unruh like stuff that was like sloppy and sludgy like that but serious kind do like this bastard it's like serious yeah but serious area. yeah the the stuff like there's like a band agents of satan that was kind of jokey mm-hmm. that i liked a lot there's a few here and there but uh the, yeah some of it's just like never really hit but um I kind of forgot that Bath- Bastard Noise was a band to the point where, when Scott said he's choosing this record for some reason, my 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 brain translated it to Art of Noise, and uh, so I put this I've I put this record on, and halfway through the first track, I was like, I don't think this is the new wave band Art of Noise. So I was like, what am I thinking of? So I googled Bastard Noise, and I was like, oh, it's oh, it's uh, it's not Art of Noise. It's Bastard Noise the man is the bastard side project uh <laughs> so so that made a lot more sense to me so uh this first track is like um i'll this this comparison gets gets put brought up a lot not the first track not the culture of monsters poem that could go fuck itself yeah. but printer pincer's movement uh this, is, this gets thrown around a lot but i think for this this track it really is like this sounds like the, if the River Bottom Nightmare band was a real. Band. <laughs> like the music, the the snake yep. vocals and the beer vocals, like it's just fucking perfect. Yeah. And um, this is like this first track was completely 100% my shit in the late '90s and early 2000s. And uh, then I looked at when this came out and I saw 2010 and I was like, huh, that's <laughs> uh, that's pretty crazy yeah. that, that somebody's making music like this still in 2010. And right there it hit me. I was like, I will fucking eat my hat if this record has ten tracks with the same energy. If this is just completely the full way through this, I will like I there is no fucking way. So then the the me and Hitler song starts out, and the first four minutes I'm like, um oh, I might be I might be eating my words. This might be straight up twenty ten, somebody's still making like this gross late nineties just fucking sludge metal. Yeah. And um then yeah like as scott said it hits that space part and i'm just like oh god damn it, that <laughs> like i knew there was gonna be a catch to this and like scott said it kind of goes in and out yeah and i've i don't hate it but i've been th- like thinking about it since i started listening to this it's just like this was made in 2010 if this came out in 2000 i would love this this would have been one of my favorite records ever uh when it, if it came out if I heard this when it came out in 2010, I don't know. I 2010 was uh, we had access to a lot more music in t- 2010. <laughs> um, it, this is this sound is kind of getting dated in 2010. There's not many people still doing this kind of weird power <coughs> violencey type shit in the drone kind of flowery. It's not it's not flowery because they yeah. don't play it like that. But you know that kind of weird spacey shit. Um, I had more on my plate. I was I was a very old adult, but in 2010, I. <laughs> had other interests so then there's me listening to this 2020 being an, an old old man and I'm just like I don't know I I don't know if I could pick this record up and pretend to uh, just be into this again like it's it's been so many years since <laughs> uh, I would have initially loved this that it, it's tough for me to to judge this. I don't like I don't think I'm going to go back and listen to this and Scott's already spoiled it for me that all their other records are just them like yeah. hitting fucking metal with drills or something like that <laughs> and I don't want to listen to that either. I do think this is a good record. Um it's just like 20 years too late for me and it it's t- 10 years too late for itself I think, but either
0: way. I almost I almost uh, wonder if like since you say that, I wonder if that's the point cuz these guys have been in it <laughs> They they're from the yeah. scene and they also are more progressive than that. They do other stuff. They've they've left. They've been in and out of the scene and they do their own thing. And they're not like idiots. I don't think so. Maybe they're like, hey, why don't we just make one of those albums?
1: Yeah, let's see, yeah, let's yeah. see if
0: we can make like a 1992 album right now. And
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of like how after Neurosis like broke the seal, everybody was like, oh yeah, Neurosis, they're gonna make another one of those mm-hmm. like kind of pain of mind records again. And I don't think that ever came. But mm-hmm. people are. You know, I think Neurosis is aware of Pain of Mind, so it's, I think you, you're kind of right. It might might be like that, yeah. that kind of deal, uh, where these old fogies, because I think this band has been around since basically as long as Man and the Bastards, and yeah. so, since like the early 90s. So you might be right on their 78 release. They might have been <laughs> like, maybe we should go back to that old Power Violence sound. But yeah, it's pretty good if you are not... Um... If you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, like if you're just like you can't even imagine the type of music we're talking about because you're so far off the spectrum from this shit. This is a pretty good record, I think. It's new. It sounds good. I think the vocals are for this style of music are perfect. They are amazing. Mm-hmm. the the high The high and lows are. It's just they're I mean, they got these guys have had fucking years, <laughs> years of practice <laughs> at this stuff, but they're so fucking good at it. So uh, I maybe I'm a little too old. I'm a little too busy in my life for the the spacey parts, and I wish there was less of them. But it's a pretty decent record.
0: Do you remember the band The End?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah.
0: like a Dillinger Escape Plan type spazzy, but they were very tall, willowy, like skinny. Like they were like yeah. they were like gray aliens almost. But they played. <laughs> well, the singer formed a band called Mare, that was kind of like a yeah. really weird metalcore doom uh, sludge band, and they had a song. That the end, I can't remember what the name of it, and it's hard to find on Spotify. It's there, but it's hard to find. But they had a song that just breaks into this long 10 minute Doomy Beach Boys thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like this ethereal, it's really heavy, but it's ethereal. And it comes out of like, blah, blah, like this, this screaming <laughs> metalcore goes into this drawn out feedbacky Doomy thing where there's like layers and layers of Beach Boys, like ethereal Beach Boys vocals. And I was like, this is amazing. I wish someone would do this bastard noise does that <laughs> it's yeah. kind of yeah. what they did they made a whole album of what i think mayor should have done
1: yeah when that came out i was like this is this is the, the peak yeah this the everything is downhill after this record and i was pretty much right yeah that mayor record was i think only a demo too they like made a demo and broke up immediately or something like that it, but, you're
0: right i think it's the, the last like sludgy slow heavy thing that i liked i'm done okay. yeah me too it was like
1: <laughs> after that it was just like it got too stupid yeah. and to uh, fucking shoegazy and stuff like that, but yeah, that, that mirror record was perfect. Yeah. Um, my final record of the night is uh, it's kind of a crazy one because I think if you're not a certain age, you might just be like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. And it's um a band called and you will know us by the trail of De- dead or just trail of dead for short. And of course, it's the record source tags and codes because no one is going to talk about this band without talking about source tags and codes. Mm-hmm. This is from uh, February 2002. It was released. And again, like I said, if you're not a certain age, you might not remember that this was the most popular album on earth for a solid six to eight months where if you were into any kind of non-mainstream music, this was in your your number one albums of the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a big, 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 big thing. And this is a kind of a revisiting hole for me because, of course, I've heard this. I didn't live under that much of a rock. <laughs> I even remember like downloading this from Soulseek and burning it on a CD yeah. and being ready, getting prepared to have my mind blown since uh, this was unanimously the best record ever in the history of the world at this point. And I put it on, and I think my brain was still too stupid to understand uh, this type of music it's kind of strange cuz i always thought it was maybe it was just cuz it wasn't obvious enough but listening to it now with you know new mature ears it's insane that i was that dumb where it didn't seem obvious to me but <laughs> it's just uh yeah it's just kind of like it never really stuck with me and uh it's it's always been like a puzzler like maybe i was just too much of an idiot and to spoiler alert it turns out i was too much of an idiot but um at the same time i just think it's an interesting case because like i said these like as far as I know, so this is their third album. I didn't know that at the time. I thought these guys came out of the middle, like the middle of nowhere, mm. and had this amazing debut album. But anyways, I guess they were around for a minute, and they they came out with this. their their third album, and it was insane. And I know Scott could probably fill fill this hole more when he gets to his part, but. Uh, from what I remember, they just put out a record that wasn't good and that was it. They're, they're <laughs> gone. Like, no, like, uh, this, this historic legendary status of this record kind of fizzled out. I don't think it's a thing people really s- cite anymore. I could be wrong, but it's not something I hear people bring up or ever fucking talk about anymore. And it's just like, like that with a snap of a finger, this, uh, monumental record, it seems to be like erased from history. <laughs> so, uh, I'm here to, to make sure it doesn't get erased basically. So yeah, I listened to this and like i said it was kind of just like instant like by the first track i was like man i can't believe i didn't get into this record uh, when it when it was new like i can't believe i was that dumb or i could not understand this music but again i now have 20 yeah cl- close to 20 years of a thing like other material where i can cite and say oh wow they really borrowed a lot from that trail of dead record um this music is i guess what could be described as at the time and i don't think a lot of people describe it as that, as, as angular it's kind of like mm-hmm. an angular um, indie rock style of music. Um, they don't really sound like them, but if you want to put it into that category, very very parallel to maybe a, At The Drive-In, where they're kind of a band that came out of nowhere making this type of weird rock music, and they kind of blew up and then fizzled out, to, to the point where, after this record was over, my Spotify auto-played At The Drive-In. <laughs> so it's just like, I know these bands go hand-in-hand hand, that early 2000s what-the-fuck type of rock and uh, these guys seem to be been the geniuses at it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly feel bad because I don't have a ton of shit to say about this. Um, it's uh, it's incredibly good. I, I uh, almost I think almost every track on here is a hit. Like this is a banger. Mm-hmm. Almost every single thing. I could see how much was borrowed from this record. Um, it just seems like this. Like even after first listen, I was just like, man, this shaped so much music for the next ten years mm-hmm. after this, after this record. Um, again, I I'm sorry, I don't have much to say about it. I think it's really great. I think uh, there's parts of it that remind me of Oasis that I know uh, Scott does not <laughs> oh. want to hear that. So I know Scott was 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 uh, teasing doing Oasis at some point yeah. on the show, but you know maybe Scott would be into it if he likes this Trail of Dead record so much. But no, this is a great record, and uh, I'm sorry I don't have much more to fill this out with. I'm. It's even more shocking to me after hearing this, the mystery of why this band disappeared so hard, and maybe, maybe I'm full of shit, and I've just been fucking ignorant to it, and people still talk about this record. But I swear to God, I have not heard anybody bring this this record up in quite a long time. Um, I'm looking just to see their, their legacy. So it's, in 2009 it was placed at number 100 on Pitchfork's list of the top 200 albums of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. That seems low, honestly. Mm-hmm. That seems very low. So even by 2009, I think the luster was taken off of this record. In 2011, on BBC uh, an article, Mike Driver calls it one of the very finest rock albums of recent history. and uh, So a masterpiece of its time. So the British still appreciated this record as recently as 2011. Yeah. Um so yeah, I just don't know if it's just because people, after a while, found it, find this music trite or something, or what it is, but it just seems like something that I think should be celebrated a little more, and um, I am obviously a New Jack fan of Trail of Dead, uh, but it just seems like such a perfect record, I completely understand the hype now. This is the uh, the most uh, best-filled hole, I guess I'll say, <laughs> the most best-filled hole I, it's, I, my, my eyes have been opened to trail of dead. I completely understand it. I'm just 20, 20 years too late, but Scott, please enlighten us what you feel about this record and, uh, why this band just fucking disappeared.
0: Well, this is one of the greatest albums of the world of all time and the, on the, on the planet. Uh, yeah, this, like, I I think I mentioned sometime one of the episodes that I was a heavy, like a heavy pitchfork reader in like the early two thousands. And I was just hungry for this stuff. I don't know what set me off on it. I don't know what what it was. I think it was something like something you wouldn't expect, like some electronic electronic like Aphex Twin type thing or something, but I just it just got me on to like reading these these sites and ch- chasing this kind of music even though it was only like one in 100 bands that would land for me. Like <laughs> and I like, you know, I liked Interpol and I like I, I mentioned I like the Strokes for one album and I liked and this band they mentioned once in a while. Uh and they had the awesome name Like, I think that's a a cool move to have this weird sentence as your name. And it's a cool, like grim sounding sentence. Good job guys. And they had a couple albums out and I'd read about them, but I'm not going to buy them because I'm like, I'm not going to buy some, some." and and, and they were famous for at the drive and it's an excellent comparison comparison because they were both like skinny, big haired, like. (laughs) It's like non-hardcore bands that were going off like hardcore bands. That was the the selling point was that you go to see these guys live and they'd smash their instruments and they'd go bananas and they'd play it like ear-splitting volume, super loud and super heavy. But it's not super heavy music. Like Oasis isn't a bad point of comparison, really, because it's like if you played Oasis through like Dinosaur Junior's rigs, like these yeah. stacks and stacks of amps at maximum punishing volume with a drummer playing with hammers. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, it just hit at the right time for me. I don't know. I I was like scouring the last vestige, like last vestiges is our used record store. And I was like hounding that bin for some reason at this time of my life. I was like, every day I would go there and like listen to almost everything in the bin. So I was pretty open-minded, open-minded. And I, this was natural. I didn't know anything about this band other than that, like I'd read their name was cool. And I was like, I got it. One of their albums is finally in my hand. I got to go see what it's about. Also, I was a website designer back then. Name, album, source, tags, and codes. That's wrong, but I still wanted to hear it. <laughs> uh, you know. So anyway, the name is great. The, the The album was like the first track. I was blown away immediately. I was like, "Oh man, this is so great. This is so like widescreen great. It's so like such a. I don't even know what you call it. It just sounds like a storm. That first song is so so good. <laughs> And then track two has got this heavy melancholy vibe thing that i'd never really encountered anything like that before it just it got it got to me like like goosebumps like i was like man this is like the best Uh, uh," (laughs) and it was super influential to me uh, but i didn't do anything with that influence i don't know what to do with this i can't play this kind of music and i wouldn't know where to begin and i think aaron and i tried a couple times and we'd even try to bring it into our metal stuff like have like these interludes that were kind of like this kind of music we weren't really living there, though. I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you <laughs> play this music. You know, I, uh, uh this, this is a, a convenient, this is also, I'm spoiling things left and right, but it's a convenient time to mention that the next episode, episode 69, Mike and I are going to do like a little, uh, <clears throat> all holes filled hostage where we're yeah. making each other listen to highly influential albums. So you've already done one. So, uh, <laughs> this is, this is definitely my, one of, one of my Rushmore albums. Like this is one of my b- most, essential listening. Most albums. best holes. Most best, your hole. most best holes. This is one of my most best holes. I've listened to it hundreds of times, but you know what's funny is like you talk about how it's all hits and it is, but after like track five or six, my knowledge of what's coming next on the album tapers rapidly. Uh, <laughs> Cause this is just one of those albums where the further you get from the first couple tracks, the more you want to hit rewind and listen to the first couple tracks again. Like that's yeah, the first two tracks are definitely the best thing on the album. Um, and uh, you know, as for their, why the next album isn't good and where they went. They didn't really disappear. They're still sort of active somehow. I don't really know what it amounts to. And a lot of people really like the next two albums. Their next two albums definitely have some fans. But I think this album is a lucky break. I think this album is their appetite for destruction. You know, appetite for destruction is, for my money, it's the only good Guns N' Roses album. It was like a lucky fluke. And I think this is the same way. Like, whatever is going on with the engineering on this album is so overblown. And the vocals are so, like... The, they they fight with the guitar frequencies. It's all distorted. Everything's distorted. Everything's like mushed together. It's really like urgent and exciting sounding. Uh, there's like more than one singer in this band, and you wouldn't really know it because they're all singing through that same hissing like wall of distortion or whatever. <laughs> and uh, that's I think that 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 mush like mushing it all into this like like the whole band is playing through a distortion pedal. That sounds cool, and they didn't do it in the next album, wow. so you can hear that he's not really that good of a singer. And I think it sounds dull and kind of boring. It's still the same kind of music. It's exactly the same kind of music. And just as, you know, just as done up, just as done up with a bow, it's super produced and it's everything like that. But they didn't all sing through a, an HM2. So, uh,
2: <laughs> or a
0: bullhorn or whatever. So it, it, it screwed it up. It's literally this, the, the two albums before are, are pretty good. And this album is like the sun. And nothing else is anywhere near it. <laughs> I think they also got old and stopped, and they got old and fat. I think ah, and stopped ah, like okay. kicking over their amps and going off and like <laughs> assaulting the audience. If that's your sales pitch, and you don't do it anymore, <laughs> then you don't have an audience anymore. Uh, and I think also the world moved on from guitars, and it's never coming back. So, uh...
1: <laughs> do you believe that uh, it? It seems that it it's probably not talked about as much now than as it should be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really read wherever they would talk about this, but I haven't heard about this album for anyone in 10 years. Like, I love yeah. it, and I talk to friends of mine about it, but it's not something that ever comes up, ever. I don't see bands say, well, we really were going for that trail of dead sound." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. never been said by any living person that I <laughs> <laughs> that I could ever know. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, if you're a young person and you just never heard this, you should definitely check it out.
0: This album's awesome. Like, I think that this is, it's like if you're into kind of like a post-hardcore-y thing or if you're into like aggressive rock or you're into oasis in which they were in which they were more butch there you go (laughs) trail of dead uh so my last album of the night is christian death only theater of pain from 1982 on frontier records which means i guess they were label mates with suicidal tendencies which is (laughs) pretty cool and we're we're touching upon something that i expect to be an undercurrent of all holes filled for a while which is i want to start solving some of the mysteries of my youth You know, back then I'd be flipping through the record bins at like strawberries, records and tapes looking for more Cheech and Chong records because I don't listen to music. I only (laughs) listened to comedy records when I was a kid. And I'd flip past some kind of like mind blowing thing that I wasn't ready to process at age 12. Uh, And some of them got solved like through the by and by like, you know, like the band death. I'd be reading Rip magazine with like fucking great white on the cover and you flip (laughs) through and there's an ad for a band called death. Who does that? That's nuts. (laughs) <laughs> you don't just name your band death, but, but uh, obviously I, I tackled that mystery cause it was, you know, it was in the flow of where I was heading. So some things got, got tackled. Other things are some threads that I just never picked back up cause it didn't align with my budget or my interests. And one of them is definitely Christian death. Uh, this is some shit. This is some shit for us to like the army jacket kids when I was young, uh, like the girl with the striped tights and her boyfriend with the Nitzer ebb shirt. In art class, they probably knew Christian death. Nobody else in your school knew who Christian death was. And I remember picking up this record and being like, this is some grim shit. Someone just drew this. Like, this record could have been hand-drawn. Uh, I mean, and, and I, it is, I guess. Like, I listened to this album, like, 40, 50, 700 years later. This is this album is probably more what I was expecting when we listened to Rudimentary Peni. Like, I was super wrong about Rudimentary Peni, but I was expecting this kind of, like, lo-fi... Post-punk, like noisy post-punk stuff, you know, the bass does most of the work. The bass is playing all the riffs. The guitar is just doing some shrill, noisy, abstract stuff. The drums sound like ass. Uh, <laughs> the music's not that bad. I think a lot of the instrumentation on this album is pretty close to stuff that I like, like post punky early emo. Like there's a lot of riffs on here that could have been on the Embrace album or like a Joy Division or something like that. It's Like most of it rocks. It's, it's kind of hard to believe how early this is. Cause like this sounds tit for tat, like stuff from 10 or 15 years later, you know, and uh, there's even a song that has like that Gary Newman sampled, like, where's your head at? Where's your head at? <laughs> it's like that song uh, riff going on pretty good, but uh, Hey, let's talk about the vocals for a little bit. Uh, this a guy named Roz Williams, which is, that's pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know if kids still do this. Do they take on cool rock and roll names anymore? Like I know you put like <laughs> hashtags and dollar signs and stuff and, and emojis in your name now, but like, is there anybody out there that's like telling people to call him Izzy Stradlin anymore? Like, it seems <laughs> like so. seems like a lost art, right? <laughs> like I don't it think anyone, yeah. <laughs> doing that. Uh, Roz Williams—that's pretty pretty rock and roll name—and he also eventually killed himself, which is that's uh, that's correct. Goth post punk <laughs> approved. That's the correct story arc for a groundbreaking goth pioneer. You have to kill yourself. <laughs> But uh, he sings like he's making fun of somebody. Uh, If you can picture the family (laughs) outcast artist kid from the movie Wedding Crashers, uh, anytime someone is making fun of that genre of kid or like the Portlandia goth couple, Roz Williams sings like he's like doing a mad TV sketch about some scarred foreign poetry character or something like that. It doesn't seem possible that this dude sang this entire album this way on purpose. The whole album makes me want to clear my throat. I'm just, (laughs) I'm constantly like feeling like I got something stuck in my throat. The way that he sings it really makes it stand out how we hadn't fully nailed the whole shock tactic thing anymore. Because, you know, he'll get to a part where he'll go, necrophilia, relationship. And I'm like, "Mm, that needed some (laughs) workshopping. Uh, it's hard to get past all that after, after a few songs, well, I'm a pro, right? We're pros. So after a few songs, <laughs> I let that sink in and I never totally loved it, but I could, I could start to f- see the good parts through the like overwhelming radar chaff of this singer. And about three quarters of the way through uh, a cool synth kicks in, like I not I don't think there was any other synths. I, I didn't notice them anywhere. And all of a sudden one kicks in and they decide that this is going to be their love will tear us apart moment. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm into it. And, you know, kudos to Roz Williams because he chooses that moment, the radio-friendly single, to drop his first hard R N-bomb immediately in the first line of the song. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have gone that way, but uh, that's why I'm not in Christian Death. So uh, this isn't really for me. I don't see myself re-listening to it, but I respect that the band named Christian Death lived up to the promise that they were committed to being weird, dark, unlovable, uh, lo-fi, ass-sounding, and, uh, you know... (laughs) Creative use of language. But Mike, what did you think of Christian death? <laughs>
1: uh, so kind of same story as Scott, where uh, when I was getting into like hardcore and punk and metal and shit like that, uh, I was aware of Christian death, but it was like, you know, it was like my friend's older brother and his hip friends listen to Christian death. Uh, I think anytime we try to listen to Christian death, it was like, Oh, this is nonsense music. <laughs> like where we couldn't compute that at that age. Yeah. Um, so I didn't remember quite what it sounded like. I just remembered it sounded like something I did not like when I was 15 years old. And, um, and so it didn't like when it came on, when I listened to it, I was like, oh man, I totally don't remember this type of music being played, but I guess yeah, you know, that's what it is. I, I mean, the, the other thing is I, for some reason, uh, did not know that Christian death was, uh, th- this is from 1982. I did not know they, they span that far back. Yeah. So, um, While listening to this, I was like, a lot of this I think I would really like, but it it sounds like fucking shit. (laughs) Like, complete shit. Um, it has, like, the the rubber band sounding bass, and it's like it drills into your fucking brain if you focus on it too much. It sucks. Um, a funny part, like, a huge suspension of disbelief, if you're gonna really be into this music, is that again, I assume they didn't have much of a budget, so I don't hold any of this against them, but, um, they they do like they they have a they use some church bells here and there mm. but it's like uh they they they're not using a sampler they're just using a keyboard and they're hitting like the <laughs> default church bell sound so it basically equates to the same church bell you hear in many christmas songs to bring it back to christmas this is like you know this is this is like a great a, a christmas, christmas episode this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, you, like, I, I mean, maybe it's just me, but as soon as, like, that church bell is implemented in any of these songs, I just start laughing, because I'm just like, oh my god, this is from, like, the wonderful Christmas time song. Like, it's just, like, the same fucking church bell sample, because it's from the same keyboard. And so, uh, that's kind of <laughs> shitty. But then I saw that it was from 1982, and I'm like, oh man, that is so old. Like, I understand why, uh, this sounds like this. I think this, I... I enjoy the sassy vocals, that's what I call them. They yeah. sound very sassy and very uh con- condescending like 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 <laughs> Scott said, it's a very unique <laughs> a very unique path to take with your vocals, I think is to sound like that. and as Scott said, very surprising to stick with for several <laughs> tracks. like it's just like, huh, yep, yeah, that's it's still going. um <laughs> the uh I think this is the perfect type of music to listen to at a very low volume. yeah like uh, I put it on. Uh, when I was cooking today and I had it on like, you know, three instead of like 10 or something like that. And I was like, you can't really tell that all the bad parts of this, this music. <laughs> I didn't even hear the hard R, so, um, I'm glad I didn't, but I, I mean, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Uh, it does sound weird and creepy. I definitely could not pick up that vibe when I was that that young age, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a thinking man's weird and creepy, but, uh, I am I wouldn't be averse to listening to more of this. I might check out the, their later discography to see if, uh, at some point, maybe a budget picks up with their ideas, and uh, that kind of balances out into like a happy medium where it still sounds creepy, but it also doesn't sound like the worst bass sound mm-hmm. in like on on recording ever. And uh, they maybe invest in a sample or two. Like I hope. Maybe that happens at some point, but yeah, if you're a fucking kid and you want to creep somebody out with your weird creepy, like if you really want to listen to awkward, uncomfortable music, I think this is pretty good, because it's like awkward and comfortable, but you can still dance to it.
0: Who knew that only three years later Metallica would be able to afford the, a better bell sample for Master <laughs> of <Puppets. More> night, <laughs> be Just three years, that's all it took. <laughs> Set the night
2: wind To the little land Do you see what I see? See what I see way up in the sky, little lamb. Do Do you see what I see? A star, a star. Sing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Do you hear what I? Sky Shepherd Boy, Do do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, high above the tree, with a voice as big as the sea. With a voice as big as the sea. The shepherd boy To the mighty king Do you know what I know In your palace warm Mighty king Do you know what I know A child, a child Let us bring him silver and gold Let us bring him silver and gold I say, pray for peace, people everywhere, listen to what I say, the child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light.